streaming, streaming live from the uh, lifeboat corner at, at the morning. And uh, thank you for tuning in and listening and watching. This afternoon we're dealing with the second of our third part series entitled The Rolling of the Line. And our main scriptures are Jeremiah chapter 25. Just before we bring the word, let us bow in a moment's prayer, please. Loving Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to present the word of the living God. And I pray, Lord, for this servant that you will touch, and Lord, these lips of clay, and that you will anoint us with the Holy Ghost and power, that this word will go into the hearts of men and women. Hear our cry. Be with us now, we pray, for we ask it in the Saviour's lovely name, and for his sake. Amen. And amen. Just prior to the Lord sending out young Jeremiah as a prophet to the nations, he was standing one day in his house gazing upon the fire burning on the hearth. You'll read it in chapter 1. And suddenly God spoke to him and said, What seest thou, Jeremiah? And what are you looking at? Oh, he replies back, I see the cauldron, the pot, full of gruel and pottage, seething, clumping, steaming, and boiling over into the fire. Okay, Jeremiah, and uh, what else do you see? And then he replied back, he says, I see the pot is tilted towards the north and is pouring its boiling contents out towards the land. And God said something like this to him, he says, that is correct, Jeremiah, because out of the north an evil is going to come and break forth unto all the inhabitants of the land. I am seething, I am boiling over with anger. My wrath is about to be poured out upon the nations of Judah, the nation of Judah. I'm pouring out my wrath on them for their wickedness and their idolatry and their rebellion and their rejection of my word and my commands. I'm sure you've often heard the phrase, God's cup of iniquity is full and boiling over. Maybe you haven't, maybe you're more familiar with the 23rd Psalm where we sing and clap and say, my cup is full and running over. But that is not the stage here. And as we, like the prophet, stand beholding and gazing upon the land and indeed the globe this evening, the only conclusion that any man or woman can come to with a spattering knowledge of the scriptures is that God is angry and that God is seething with the nations. We're told in many places, in a number of places in the word of God, that he is a controversy with the nations. His pot of wrath for years and decades has been warming up our sins and our iniquities and our infidelity and our rebellion has been switched up and up and up. And during the last number of years it has been simmering at the end of 2019 and the beginning of 2020, it seems as if it boiled over. Let me remind you this day that this COVID-19 
This virus, this pandemic, this invisible curse, this malady, this crippling the economy of the nations, this strangling the industry and halted the airplanes and closed the schools, the restaurants and the pubs, and it struck fear in the billions. This didn't start at the end of 2019 or the beginning of 2020. This pot was simmering in the hearth for years and years, and God in his grace and in his mercy and long-suffering tolerated it. He kept the lid on it. And even though he is holy and righteous and a pure eyes and behold iniquity and hate sin, in his great mercy he hid himself because God delighteth in mercy. He restrained himself and, and like the nation of, of Judah he sent his servants, his prophets, his evangelists, his preachers. He sent to the people of Judah the, the prophet Isaiah, the evangelistic prophet. He sent the great burden prophet Habakkuk. He sent the great weeping prophet Jeremiah and a number of others who rose early and stood in the gap and pleaded and prayed that the nation would turn and repent. Now before I go on today to deal with the second part of our message, the lion roars, let me remind you that what I said is not only a principle in scripture, but it's a characteristic of the loving, merciful, long-suffering God. You have this displayed very graphically and powerfully exhibited in, in the days of Noah and the days of Lot. The days of the Lord Jesus tells us that we are in at this moment after the fall of man and sin entered into the world for hundreds of years through generation after generation God seemed to be passive and tolerable towards sin how he dealt with Cain after the word of evil proves that but as we came more ungodly and he raised up Seth and he sent the mighty servant Enoch who walked with God who prophesied and warned the people that judgment was coming upon them for their ungodly deeds. They stood against them, they spoke against them, they mocked him, and one day God whipped them away. But in his mercy the pot still simmered on. The pot was not seething, it was not boiling over even at this point. And in the multitude, as David said, there was tender mercies. He raised up another prophet, the preacher of righteousness, Noah, and for 120 years he tolerated when Noah built the ark and preached and parleyed and pleaded with the people. And Peter tells us because of, of the dis disobedience to the long suffering of God that they were disobedient all the way. And God says when he waited till the ark was prepared in his patience and in his grace. It was in Noah's day that Jesus said these days that we are living in now. It was in Noah's day that the lid started to rattle and he made the powerful statement that we know so well, my spirit shall not always strive with man. And just before it boiled over, he said to Noah, he says, come now in thy house into the ark, for in seven days I am going to destroy the world. And it was the very same, my friend, in the days of Lot, for he, he, he tolerated uh, there, for, 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 for ages or sin Ezekiel tells us he tolerated their pride and their fullness of bread and until they degenerated morally until 
and it became the cities of, of Sodom and Gomorrah became such evil places. Men with men, women, women against their own natural use, doing that which was unseemly. They came to the very place of their sin. They came to the very place of their immorality where they would have raped the angels that came from heaven if they had got a chance. And the pot tilted and the wrath of God was revealed from heaven. And John Peter says that they were reduced to ashes. You get the very same. I'm, I'm trying to show you the mercies and the grace of God down through the years and down through the scriptures. You get the same in the Tower of Babel. They said, we don't want God. And then God said, we're going to build our own God. We're going to build our own tower. And God let them build it. But oh, my friend, they went so far until he came down and he scattered the whole thing. You come over into the New Testament, you have the same teaching. Remember the Lord Jesus in Luke 19? Remember for, for three and a half years he pleaded and, and, and preached to the people and did miracles and gave them parables and done everything that he could to bring them to himself. And then I remember going down the Mount of Olives that he turned around in the coat of the fool of the ass and he wept and he cried. And he said, how often when I have gathered thee as a hen gathers her chickens under her wing, but you wouldn't come. And he said, because you've missed it, you've missed it, your day is over. And my friend, he told them, he says, and maybe he told them that Titus, the Roman governor, would come in and he'd scatter them, and he did in AD 70. No, I tell you, never you forget that God never comes with judgment until he's merciful and gracious and long-suffering. Until he sends his prophets and rises up early to come till he sends his men. Till he does everything that he can that a holy righteous God can do. Everything my friend before he will breathe out. Before the pot will tilt. Before the anger will come out. And my friend we're living in the day when we have gone too far. And I believe it with all my heart and with all my soul. And I were back at Jeremiah 25. And in Jeremiah 25, we not only have the Lord depicted as a pot boiling over, but let me tell you, the roaring of the lion. Listen to what it says in verse 37 of the 25th. If you have a Bible with you, and I ask you to get your Bible and read these verses again and again and again. In Jeremiah 25, in verse 37, he says this to, the, to, the, to his own children. He says, because of the fierce anger of the Lord, he has forsaken his covert, and as the lion for the land is desolate because of the fierceness of the oppressor, and because of his fierce anger. He says this in verse 30, Therefore prophesy thou against them all these words, and say unto them, The Lord shall roar from high, and shall utter his voice from his holy habitation. He shall mightily roar upon his habitation, he shall, he shall give a shout as they that tread the grapes against all the inhabitants of the earth. And noise shall come even to the end of the earth, for the Lord has a controversy with the nations. He will plead with all flesh and will give them, and, and will give them that, the wicked to the sword, saith the Lord. Oh, what awesome scriptures these are. The last message that I send out under this title we looked at when the lion sprung and we saw the precise moment that the lion came out of the thicket and jumped upon the prey. 
We saw that it was 23 years into the preaching of Jeremiah. 23 long years he wept and he cried for the people. And on 23 years he tried to do everything to win them back. And also when other prophets come <coughs> preaching and, and praying and crying to get them to God. And then suddenly, suddenly God moved at that particular moment. And the remainder of my message this morning is how the Lord scattered his prey. Oh friend, let me get this through you just now. The Lord come down amongst his people and he scattered them. And he brought them into bondage for 70 long years. Remember this, in order to release the children of Israel from the 120 years of bondage in Egypt. Remember it was a tenth plague. In Psalm 78 says God sent evil angels among them to wipe out and destroy their firstborn. And I want to say to you here just now in this chapter, we have another evil angel. Listen to what it says in chapter listen to what it says in verse 9 of, 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 of this chapter. Verse 9 says this. Behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, said the Lord. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring them against this land and against the habitation thereof and against all these nations round about and will utterly destroy them and make them as astonishment as a hissing and perpetual desolation. Did you know? Did you notice what he says? He says, the wicked, evil, idolaters, unscrupulous, murderer, king, Nebuchadnezzar, will be my servant. In other words, he's going to use this man to punish and discipline and to chastise his people for their awful sin and rebellion. And can I say that it's not the only time that God used Wicked men and women to serve his purpose and fulfill his will. Was Judas not an evil angel? Was Herod not? Was Pilate not? Peter on his message in the day of Pentecost, looking at the old Pharisees, said, read the crucifixion. Him being delivered by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have slain. My friend, God lets us lie and loose in so many different ways. But thank God he's always in control. Thank God he's working all things out for our good. Thank God he knows what he's doing and others don't know what they're doing. God's letting his lie and loose here in the Northern Kingdom. And he's, more, he's going to maul and devour all around him. And my friend, he's going to be an awful tyrant to the people. And when they get into Babylon, when they get in there, into that awful place, their years will be spent concerned about the fact that they didn't repent, that they didn't come to God. And suddenly he, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar invaded the land, he raped the women, they ravished their crops, they erased the temple, and brought them into humiliation and devastation. Has not this pandemic, this virus, this evil angel that's roaring like a roaring lion and a thunderbolt from heaven 
Has it not chased and scattered us into captivity? Listen to what verse 10 of this chapter says. God says, I will take from them the voice of mirth. I will take from them the voice of mirth. That is the voice of rejoicing and cheering and laughing. Remember what James says? He said the laughter has turned into mourning and the joy into heaviness that we may humble ourselves before God. Can I say there's not much sign of humility. There's not much sign of repentance. Even at this moment as I speak to you, the voice of mirth has been taken away. The whistler is not on the street. The singing is not on the street anymore. Nelly cuts it. And the voice of gladness. That's the pleasure and the feasting and the dancing and the partying. My friend, the partying's over. The clubbing's over. The carousing's over. Do you ever think about any things are over from we were hit with this angel of death? Yellow yeah, protests in France is over. The student parades in Hong Kong are over. The Sodomite parades in Dublin and in Belfast are over. There's not many shouting and talking now about Brexit or the border or the backstop. And I tell you, God has put a stop to the whole shooting gallery along the road and he's calling us to repentance. Not only the voice of mirth and gladness, but this verse goes on to see you examine it for yourself. And the voice of the bride and the bridegroom, he has scattered the weddings, plus the gay ones. What we couldn't do, God does. The Almighty Sovereign God does. But this verse goes on, and it says, And I have stopped the sound of the millstones. That's the factory. The factory floor, that's the mills, that's the machinery grinding a halt. Oh, I tell you, don't you tell me that this word of God is not up to date. Don't you tell me that these scriptures are truth or not for today. Don't you tell me that you can read your paper and read your Bible, that you can't read your Bible and your paper at the one time. My friend, hear the word of the Lord. Listen to it again. Moreover, I will take from them the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride and the sound of the millstones. And listen to this. And this I did believe is one of the most serious of all. And the light of the candle. And the light of the candle. The light of the candle. I tell you that's the church. God has taken it away from us. The lights are out. And what I'm going to say in the next few minutes let me say I'm saying it from a burdened heart. I'm saying it from a heart that bowed down most of the night, crying unto God and praying. I say to you, my friend, it's awful days in which we're living in, no doubt about that. Can I say to you that the target of Nebuchadnezzar, the roaring lion, do you know what the target first of all was? In verse 18 you read that it was the church. It was the church. It was the cities of Judah and Jerusalem. That's the first place that he targeted. Of course, we know that from our history. We know what he done to the temple. We know what he done to the people of God. And then in verse 19, it says, Pharaoh and the world 
and then from verse 20, and then from verse 20 all it lists another 18 or 19 countries. This is not up to date today. The frontal attack, I say, the frontal attack of the roaring lion was on the church, was on the people of God. Judgment must begin at the house of God to see not only the lights out and the doors and the gates of our churches up and down our land bolted speaks for itself. I want to say very lovingly, as far as Northern Ireland is concerned, is probably one of the best things that the evil angel could do. Can I say that from this pulpit in this church many times, and my people will verify this, many times I say that in the last number of years, it's time to stop all activity. I've said it's time to stop the meetings, stop the prayer meetings and the table and the morning meetings and the Sunday school and the children meetings and the tea meetings. But I'm sorry before God that I haven't the guts to do it with God, Lord. It's time that we lay in sackcloth and the lashes and repent of our pride and repent of our arrogance and repent of our haughtiness and our rebellion before God and repent of all our denominational and congregational pomposity. Is God not speaking to us? It's time that we stop being critical of other churches and mocking gifts and all the rest that we do and thinking we're the only people. My friend, we need God's humiliating us, God speaking to us, and next, next, next message that I come out tell you, he's speaking to the pastors and he's speaking to the ministers, he's speaking to the shepherds of the flock. It's time that we did what Joel said, howl between the porch and the altar. Maybe if we roared and howled, the lion wouldn't be roared and howling now. My friend, maybe if we'd have had nights of fasting and nights of prayer, let me ask the pastors and the ministers out there this morning, how long did you spend in the last year fasting and praying and crying unto God? We need to take this thing serious. God has spoken. If we had roared and howled before God and repented before God, maybe the lion wouldn't be holding now. Remember the seven churches in Asia Minor that the, the, the risen Lord wrote to John about in Revelation 2 and 3. He says, I know, I know, I know. He, my friend, he knows. He knows the shepherds of the flock. He knows the hearts of the pastor. He knows our motives. He knows what we're taking at. He knows what we're feeling at. He knows the messages that we're getting down at the internet. He knows that we're not getting them from the mouth of God. And the church of Ephesus was fallen. The church of Sardis was fruitless. The church of Thyatira was false. And all the other churches, the church of Naples, the sea, it was fashionable. Five times he commanded them to repent. And the risen Lord that tells us with feet of burning brass, which speaks of judgment, walketh up and down in the midst of the church. Let me say this this morning, or this afternoon. He's walking up and down in the midst of the church. He's walking up and down in the midst of the believers, and he's speaking. He wants to give a message. First of all, we haven't got it yet. He wants to give a message to the church. He wants to give a message to the pastors. He wants to give a message to the ministers. He's walking up and down in the church. 
Not to get us to clap, and not to get us to sing, and not to get us to hug, and not to get us to dance, and not to preach our petty doctrines, not to proclaim our eternal security, or our saved and lost, or whether the gifts from out of the apostle or not. He wants us to repent. It's repentance towards God and faith. We can't have faith if we don't have repentance. See, is it not very those chapters, those verses in Revelation that is the voice of many waters? That's a thousand Niagara's roared, rolled into one, is roaring at the church. I tell you, a prayer, especially in the West, I say to you, he's not walking up, down, up and down through the hospital wards and the intensive care units like Florence Nightingale with a lamp. He's not walking up and down to the house of Windsor or the house of Lords or the house of Leinster. Worst of all, he's walking up and down to the church. He's not walking up and down to the mosques or the chapel. He's not roaring on the streets of Italy and France and Spain and New York. I tell you, but he is roaring. He is roaring. This is a thunderclap from God to the church and to the people of God. This virus, this pandemic, is only the fruit, my friend, is only the fruit of a dead, decadent, dying church that has lost the way. Not only did they provoke them to anger, not only did they lay the same people, see that's where they lay the same church, I hear men saying, yes we are, this is the, this is the, 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 the picture of the last day church. Well, if we're laying the same church, we know what we're doing. He, said, he says, you're making me sick. You know, three times, three times he 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 he, he reads there that we're that we're that that, that, that we're, we're, we're so sinful. Three times he tells us in in, in, in that verse there about our uh, about about, about our, our, our evil and um, and our iniquity, and we're neither cold nor hot. We're neither cold nor hot. We're neither cold nor hot. Oh, I say to you. He says to us, and then he says in that wonderful 3 and 20 that we know so well, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, I say to you, sinner, I say to you, backslider, I say to you that listen to me, that's not right with God today, I say repent. He says, any man, if I stand at the money man, open the door, I will come in with him, and I will sup with him, and he with me, flee to the ark. Flee to the mountain, flee to the cross of Calvary, flee to the bloodstained, tear-stained, sin-stained, fear-stained, uh, my friend, from this world to the cross of Calvary. He says, look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and was on earth. Remember this, that Christ died because of us, he died on behalf of us, and he died instead of us, and he died for you. And his arms are outstretched and he says, come, because the worst of the wrath is yet to come. Oh, my friend, pray that God's will will be done. Pray that, our, that the message will get through from the lion and the thunderclap to the church. Pray that they'll get through just these days. That when we come back in, if we ever get back in, that we'll be different people. That we'll have different messages. That we'll have words from the mouth of God. That we'll be prophets for God. That we will be used mightily for him in this mighty revival that's going to come. I pray that you will hear him while he speaks, while he roars, while he speaks. Oh, his mercy, 
Oh, I spent so much time in the beginning telling about his mercy and his love and his long-suffering before the pot boiled over. The pot is boiling over. Oh, God, help us this evening, this afternoon. Help us, help us to wake out of our lethargy, out of our carnality, out of our backbiting, out of our fighting, out of our wee petty ideas and doctrines. It's time, men. It's time, women. It's time to rise up. And seek the Lord where he may be found. It's time that the lid come back onto the pot again. What do you see, Jeremiah? What do you see? I see a pot boiling over, tilted towards the north. Oh, God, help us that he might stay the plague and that he might come and that he might revive us again in these last and dark days. God bless you, and I trust that you'll be with me for the next and last broadcast that we're putting out on when the lion roars. Amen.